0: that's nation O N three zero for 30% off of your purchase. You're listening to South Dakota Unlimited, the podcast for the average South
1: Dakota sportsman, where we talk everything outdoors, hunting, fishing, trapping, conservation, and anything else that impacts you as a sportsman in the 605. Hosted by C.J. Peters. Now let's get started. Hello everyone and welcome back to South Dakota Unlimited. Today, the day that this episode is released, is deer season eve. That's right, everything we've been preparing for is finally here. With that being said, a little bittersweet moment for me, I am actually missing a deer opener this year. But on a positive note, as you listen to this, I am out west chasing elk uh, with an over the counter tag with my bow. So it sucks I'm missing the opener, but I guess this kind of makes up for it. So hopefully I get something, but otherwise it'll be a good learning opportunity. So good luck to everyone that is chasing deer here at home on opener, and send me some of your success pictures as they start going down. On today's episode, I bring on Mr. Nate Thomas from the Missouri Woods and Water podcast that is also part of the Sportsman Nation. We cover his plans for the upcoming season, some newer gear he's trying out, and what he's most excited about for this upcoming season and some bs in between it's a great episode i think you'll really enjoy it so let's go ahead and let's get right on to it hey man how's it going
2: good what's going on with you
1: oh not a whole lot just uh getting ready for the upcoming season and can't wait i'm sure you're about doing the same
2: yeah and uh we, we we talked a little bit before the we recorded i i feel like my life is just a giant mess right now i've got All my gear is laying in my office, just loosely. I don't have a truck currently. Um, And we leave in, what, what, three days? So (laughs) I'm probably freaking out for no reason. But uh, I I feel like usually, this is my fifth year going. I feel like usually I'm already totally, completely packed and ready to go by now. But I'm just, uh, I'll get it done. I'll feels like behind
1: the I just feel like no matter when you start preparing, no matter what, it's like a last minute rush. Like I started getting stuff together for this hunt in I think March or April, and now I'm just like, crap! I have two days to leave. But
2: yeah, and I should be better at this by now. This is my fifth year. This is your <laughs> first, so you know, like, yeah. That's why I'm not. I guess I shouldn't panic because I know where all my shit is. It's just not ready. So maybe that's why I'm just kind of being. I'm procrastinating a little bit. Who knows? Uh, yeah. I'll be okay. Hopefully. Yeah.
1: You'll get it already. But why don't we go ahead and start out? Tell everybody who you are, where you're from, what you do.
2: All right. So, my name is Nate Thomas, and uh, I'm from Missouri. I'm um, the host of the Missouri Woods and Water podcast, which is part of the Sportsman's Nation Network uh, that you and I are a part of, or our two podcasts are a part of. Um, And born and raised in Missouri. Started hunting here and um, you know, really only experienced Western hunting in one state at this point. i've uh, been doing it for five years. But, you know, Western hunting wise, if we get into elk at all, that's that's what I've done so far. So um I guess you can call me a flatlander, although Missouri is not flat, but people can think it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So what do you do for work?
2: Uh I am a uh loss control and safety uh consultant technically so i kind of drive around and tell people to be smart and don't do dangerous things in a nutshell Dude, you're like yeah.
1: osha kind uh, of. not
2: really but sort of yeah sort of like I, the- feel, I feel like i feel like my actual full time job is a common sense job <laughs> like you just you walk in and go hey um, did you ever think about not tripping over stuff and you know, like pay attention to where you're walking? Oh, I never thought of that. Like that's kind of my job—the <laughs> common sense
1: police—and God knows we're yeah, lacking on that these days.
2: Yeah. Well, and I, I'll tell you, the stuff I see in my my career, um, I think I'm I'm in for a, a secure job until I retire because <laughs> the stuff I see, I'm just like, what in the hell were you
1: doing? Yep. Uh, I can uh, I can relate to that, you know, being an ER nurse. <laughs> so did you ever think about turning the lawnmower off before you tried to clean it?
2: Nope. Never crossed my mind.
1: I had had that happen a couple of times. Good God.
2: And I can, I can understand that before I was, I've been doing this for like nine years now, I was actually a full-time firefighter uh, in Kansas city uh, before that. And so, you know, the whole medical side, we ran the medical calls and all that. And yeah, you would see some, some odd stuff. That's for sure.
1: Yep. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. And my <laughs> wife's a nurse.
2: So she tells me stories. So yeah, I definitely oh, yeah. understand your, your, your struggles.
1: <laughs> I mean, at some point natural selection failed us. It's probably when medical care got better, but yeah, that's a yeah, whole you guys, different. You're doing
2: a good job of keeping the dumb ones alive. That's, But I guess that's a good
1: thing. <laughs> I mean, it's job security, but it is anyway. So how, uh, you, did you get into the hunting the traditional way? Like you're, born into a hunting family or you kind of start late or kind of learn yourself how'd that go
2: no and that's what's kind of cool about our show not to go back to our show but the three of us all have vastly different experiences with how we got into the outdoors so i didn't grow up hunting Uh, i didn't know anybody that did none of my family did i grew up camping and fishing my dad loved fishing still does and so we would go camping at all these state parks in Missouri and other places, and we would go fly fishing and, you know, regular fishing and whatever. But hunting wasn't even something I even thought about until I was in high school. And then I started dating my now wife, and uh, she grew up on a farm, and her brothers hunted. And uh, her oldest brother took me turkey hunting when I was a teenager. and. Um, That started the problem and then it graduated into deer and now I'm sitting here going out West chasing elk. So I didn't start hunting white tail. I don't know exactly what my age was, but I would say I was around 20
1: when I started hunting. Was that that with a gun or was that with a bow?
2: Yeah. Traditionally, especially from Missouri, the first time I went deer hunting was with a rifle. Um, That lasted maybe two years. And then I quickly was like, this is fun and all but what's that pointy thing that stick with a pointy thing on the end of it i like that looks cool <laughs> and uh got into that so yeah
1: that's awesome so how long did it uh take you to be i guess what you would consider successful in that
2: uh i don't think i'm successful yet <laughs> you know i mean <laughs> like oh man i'll tell you not to not to give him a these people a big head I, i'm just messing around but When I first started bow hunting, I bet I went, I'll just say five years for argument's sake, because I don't remember, but I bet I went five years and I don't think I saw more than like five deer that entire time. Like I just went hunting. Um, I didn't care what the wind was. I didn't, I just went because that's what I did. Right. And I didn't really have anybody to like ask questions to, or maybe I just didn't ask. So I just was doing it. And I never saw Deer. And then I started listening to podcasts, actually, Wired to Hunt mm-hmm. and then Nine Finger Chronicles, which is Dan and, and then Mark Kenyon. At the time, Dan was Mark's co-host on yep. Wired to Hunt. So I started listening to them and they would talk about wind and your scent and all these different things. And then I would start asking my brother-in-law, Hey, how do you do this? And he would, you know teach me a little bit about it and so I thought okay I'm going to start paying attention to my wind and it was almost like a light bulb went off all of a sudden I would go hunting and I would see like five does that night or you know I'd see a buck walk through and I'm just like wow I'm the best hunter that ever lived (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but you know really it was I mean it was several years of me beating my head against the wall Not really, I mean, I was still having fun, but it was like, how come I can't see deer? How come, you know, all these all guys are, but I don't. And it was really when I started asking questions to myself as to why I wasn't killing stuff. Then I started learning and I'll I'll be honest with you to this day, I'm still learning. I I don't think I'll ever stop learning, especially getting started later. Um, I'll never, I'll never master it. And if I ever do, I, I. I would guess you'd get bored of it. Wouldn't you?
1: I mean, I, I would I, think so.
2: Yeah. So I hope I never master it.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's one of those things. It's just like, I guess anything in life, the moment you stop learning, you're, I mean, you're dead. <laughs> I mean, if, if you think you're that good that you stop learning, you're probably not going to be that good because exactly, yeah. there's always more to learn no matter what it is.
2: Yeah. There's um, always people that are better than you. You are. And so absolutely. if you can't learn something from somebody, Then you're either too cocky to get better, or you're you're probably about done with whatever it is you're doing at that point. Yeah, you just
1: you need to take a good long look in the mirror. Right, and (laughs) And I don't like looking at myself in the mirror. So (laughs) and eat some humble pie (laughs) because that'll do it to you. Yep. So when did when did you shoot your first buck? Just out of curiosity, or your first deer even with a buck? My first deer was
2: with a rifle. Mm -hmm. Um, like I told you, I have started rifle hunting, um, my first deer with a bow. Oh man. My memory is about as garbage as you could think here. Um, I'm looking (laughs) at him and he's right there. Uh, uh, gosh, I would say 13 years ago, somewhere in there, maybe, you know, yeah. So, I mean, if you really think about it, let's say 10 years ago, just for argument's sake, I've only been killing deer with a bow for a decade and it's not like I do it every year. I haven't tagged Mm -hmm. out every year. So, um, you know, there's a lot of learning left to do, which is why I love doing the podcast and listening to what I feel like is an inordinate, inordinate number of podcasts, right? Mm -hmm. I listen to all kinds of stuff now because you can just learn so much just by listening to people bullshit more than, I mean, you know, I love topics, but sometimes you just sit down and listen to people talk, and you can learn what some things you can try to do are too. So, yeah, I've, I'll never stop learning—that's for sure.
1: Yeah, it's just like, well, the working class bow hunter guys—they they do it yeah. well. I mean, they just bolt, yep. like, they just BS the entire time. But I've learned so much from their podcast, and just. Listening to it. They're
2: one of one of my favorite ones. They weren't yeah. one of my first ones, but they're definitely one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And now it's just, if you're not learning this day and age from some sort of media, whether it's YouTube or podcasts, like you're, you're going to be behind the eight ball because there is so much content out there that is just absolutely phenomenal and loaded yeah, and I, with things to learn.
2: I remember listening to a show one time that when Dan was telling about his, his upbringing and, and hunting mm-hmm. and you know, when he was a kid, podcasts weren't a thing and he was telling a story out like and I might be getting this a little bit wrong but he he went bow hunting he would take a, a five gallon bucket he would cross this fence and go sit in this tree line and sit on the bucket like that was and he's like if if podcasts were a thing my learning curve would have been so much shorter because I could have sat there and absorbed things, you know, I just went out and I went on my own. Nobody really bow hunted with him, I guess at the time. And he just like did it. And I was kind of the same way, just, I was older because I didn't like, I don't, I had people I could have asked, but it was like, I didn't want to bother them. So I just went and tried to do it myself. Um, And then I started listening to those things. And then I started asking questions and it was just like, hell, I see deer all the time. Hunting's is a lot more fun when you see deer or whatever animal you're going after, even if you don't kill one, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot more successful in that aspect because you see stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, you know, you're seeing deer like, okay, now I'm <laughs> actually kind of doing stuff right. Or did you sit in the stand all night and you're like, son of a bitch. <laughs> that was boring. Damn thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. It's still nice to get out there, but at the same time you're like, okay, oh, sure. what, what am I doing wrong? But yeah. But then I guess you can get to that next level. Like I've heard Mark Kenyon and Dan talk about it and numerous other guys were like, you might not see a deer all night or Dan infault especially. You might not see a deer all night, but when you do see it, it's going to be the bucket you're after. I'm like, God, I don't, I don't even know how to get to that level. <laughs> I guess that it's just like 20 years of experience. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, I
2: listen to guys like Dan Infold and Mark, and all them guys that, you know, or really anybody that I have a horrible time trying to explain this. But you, you know, and I know dozens of guys and girls that are just straight up killers. Mm-hmm. Like they know how to hunt. They might not be in the industry and in big names or anything like that, but they know how to hunt. They know what the hell they're doing. And I look at them and go, I wish I had a tent of, you know, my pinky fingernail of the skill level that you do. Yeah. Because. It's just like they don't even have to think. It's like they they, they show up to the woods and they're going to go, I'm going to go sit on this ridge because he's going to be crossing. This is what's going to happen. And then it happens. And then I'm just like, well, how the hell did you do that? I just don't have that in me. and Or maybe I do, and I'm just being hard on myself. But, yeah, you're right. It's It's one of those things where I have made good choices before, but more often than not, I'm second-guessing everything I did.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if that just comes with time or, or what, or, you know, like some guys, like you're talking about, they're just straight killers. Like, I don't know if it's their instinct or what they just, they just have it right and they've got it down, but
2: that's, I I firmly believe that it's hunting can be just like football or basketball. Some people are just naturally gifted. Some aren't. Yeah. I mean, I don't I know where, exactly where I lie right. yet. <laughs> I don't know where I lie yet. Uh, hopefully I have a little natural talent, but there are some people that I'm just like, if I could follow around you all day, I'll, I'll find something because you're going to find it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, like, I don't know, have you heard of the guys uh, from Buckstorm? Buckstorm. Yeah. Or, yeah. So I actually just on Sunday, I went antelope hunting with Travis and just like to follow that guy around. Like I, I did not grow up a hunting family, you know, Right. did not anything like just to like watch what he does. She's like, what, how did you know to do that? Like what the, what the hell? Nope. Like, you're I get just it. Man. Good at it.
2: And then, and then you just add, you add in, we're just talking about whitetail. Then you add in all the different species you can hunt and you, and then you're like, Oh, i got to learn how to do it with this species. And, Oh, what if I want to go hunt whitetail in South Dakota? I don't know if there's whitetail up there to be honest with you. There is. Okay. Thank you. Um, what if I want to go, I'm sure they're hunted differently than you're going to hunt them in Missouri or even different spots of Missouri are hunted differently. So yeah you like you're only mastering like even if you feel like you're getting good you're only maybe mastering your little county that you're hunting mm-hmm. in, until you branch out and you're like oh shit this is different i yeah. gotta learn again
1: right like agland, completely like i grew up in southern iowa and i kick myself to this day for not learning how to deer hunt when i was in southern iowa but, <laughs> you were in
2: like the mecca of i deer. was in the mecca and i was
1: there? i learned how to i learned how to Duck hunt of all things. I learned how to duck hunt in Southern Iowa. God damn it. You made some poor life
2: choices, man. Yeah.
1: We're not going to go there. I'm going to be a lot more beers deep if we start doing that. But anyway, and it, it just hunting from then. Well, well, you know, Eastern half of South Dakota is a lot like the Midwest, like East river. Mm-hmm. Until you start hitting the Missouri river breaks need the West river and it's kind of similar to Kansas that open Prairie. And it's just completely yeah. different. And just trying to find you know, right now I'm living in the black Hills for the fall. And even that's its own an animal. And like, so you get the Hill country or you can get the mountain bucks or the agland bucks or the prairie bucks. And it's just like, you, if you can master all those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just like, if you can master those, all those, and you're a God <laughs> in and of itself.
2: It's never going to be me, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, same here, but I'll at least enjoy trying,
2: <laughs> you know, and, and like I said, I'm not even close to being what I think is a great hunter. And instead of focusing just on whitetail, I've gotten so ate up with archery hunting and hunting. Now we go out to Colorado right now, every year and chase them over the counter early season, like idiots and it's amazing the difference, you know, from your first year to your fifth year, how much you really have learned um, Mm -hmm. while still being bone dry on the tag filling thing. Like I have not killed an elk yet, but man, I feel so much more confident than I did the first couple of years that if, if I can get in one this year or whatever, I feel like I can make it happen. You know, it's, you, you do feel like you do learn, but, they're still like, I'm still such a green elk hunter. I'm sure. I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I would think, especially when you've only got 10 to 14 days a year to go yeah. hunt them. That's yeah. it. That's my only chance. Yeah. It's not like so. you're
1: a resident nope. me. It gets to spend nope. like, you know, they can, they can be out there in the winter. They can be out there in the spring looking at them summer and they can just no spend... scouting. Yeah. I don't get to do that. And it's yeah. just like you with whitetail in the summer or wherever you're at throughout the year. But anyway, so I guess let's get into the main topic. Tell us about your season. Obviously you got an elk coming up in Colorado yep. over the counter.
2: That's how it starts. It, yeah. It's going to kick off with elk. Um, we actually leave. And like I said, three days earlier to go hunt OTC, archery elk. Um, we, we, We've had a couple of rough couple years with it, um, OTC units in Colorado. And I think in every state that's got OTC units have really gotten busy. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in any bad way. It's everybody's right to go check that out, but it's also made the hunting really difficult. And, uh, you know, my first few years, it was really good. So we got lazy with buying points or putting in points for other states, you know, that sort of stuff. And so now we're kind of in that little zone where we don't have enough points to draw anything anywhere else, or even in Colorado. So we have to, you know, go back to that OTC type of stuff. And, um, anyways, so we leave in three days for that. Uh, always excited. There's always that like hunting season officially begins for us when we Mm -hmm. drive away and, um, There's always that like, almost like uh, Christmas Eve when you were a kid, like (laughs) excitement, you know, Christmas is here and, you know, whether we see elk or not, it's always a great time. You know, it's, you're never going to experience that sitting on your couch and we love it. It's some of the best times I've ever had in my life going out there and, you know, chasing them around, chasing what I call the, the timber ghost around. Because it's just like I've never seen an 800 pound animal be so quiet at times, <laughs> uh, in a bunch of deadfall that I have to jump over, you know, or whatever. And so, yeah, that we start there, um, and then we'll come back to Missouri. Missouri's archery season starts September 15th. Uh, I probably will not be hunting that early, it really depends on a few things, but. My main property that I hunt usually goes pretty quiet when the the white tail go hardhorned. Mm. Um, right after they go hardhorned, Um, Dan Johnson kind of talks about that shift. Yeah. And I, I really do see it in that property. Like I'll have bucks all summer long and then they go hardhorned and they're just like gone. And I'm okay with that because I almost always see them again starting around mid-October. Um, So what I do, because I am lucky enough to hunt a piece of private ground in Missouri, um, it's very small. It's only about 15 acres that I hunt right now. So Mm -hmm. it's not like I'm hunting 4,000 acres of whatever the hell I want to. But, um, I use trail cameras to kind of help me decide, Hey, are they starting to show back up here and there? What do we got going on? And then I'll couple that with the, uh, weather. You know, if we have a a huge weather change, a weather event, I call it, um, I'll use those. And then I'll start kind of being smart about when I start telling my wife, hey, I'm leaving and I'm going to go hunt tonight or whatever. Um, Because really, if if I go sit in a tree stand from September 15th through, let's say, September 30th, the chances of me taking down one of my target bucks that I would like to potentially kill are almost zero. And all I'm doing is pissing my wife off the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: not making things better come November when you really need to be out there. Or October. Yeah,
2: exactly. Or, or yeah. So um, it's, it's, you know what I, I'm not, I've got kids, I've got four children. I'm married. Our kids are busy. I've got to be kind of a little bit smart about what I like to be out in the woods every single night. Yes, because you never know what what could happen. But in my life now, that is impossible. It will never happen for me. So I got to be a little smarter about when are you going to go, dude. If you've got, let's say, between October thirtieth and September fifteenth, you know, the beginning of the season till you know the end of October. If you get fifteen days to hunt in those two months, why are you going to waste them in the first fifteen when? the last 15 are probably the best ones. Yep. So I'm just kind of, you know, and it's really hard because I get real antsy, man. I mean, I do September 15th. Last year was the first year that I haven't been in a tree stand on that day because it's all, it's just like tradition. You, you go on opening day.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And uh, last year I didn't because it was hot as balls outside and mosquitoes all over the place. And I'm like, I'm not going to see a deer that I want to kill most likely anyway. So I'm just going to stay home. And after the the night was over, I was like, that was kind of nice. <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm getting a little better about trying to be patient and not burn up my spot. Like I said, it's only 15 acres or so. Mm-hmm. So hunting a small piece of property like that, you can burn it the hell up real quick if you don't watch it. So I got to be a little smarter about like when I go in, when I go out, that sort of stuff.
1: What do you have? Like, what's what's the terrain on the property like? Is it ag land? Is it more timbered? How does it look?
2: About half and half. It's half a, and a half. So the entire farm is forty acres. Mm-hmm. I really only hunt the bat bottom half. If you were to if you were to take like a square, the 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 north half of the square is ag. And then the South half of the square is, is a uh, timber. And then that timber has a pretty big elevation change from the start of it to the end of it. Um, so there's a, there's a Creek running through it and then a pretty steep bank that goes up to the top half, which is real thick and pretty nasty, gnarly stuff. And so that is a good bedding area. And then I, I typically try to leave them alone and try to get them coming out of it. Um, but you know, I've dove into the bedding before too. It just depends on what's going on that year. But so, yeah, it's really just some ag that is pretty wide open. So it's not like you're going to go sit in the middle of the cornfield or a bean field. Um, so I usually, typically stick to that that timber and try to get them coming in or out or or doing whatever during the rut.
1: So you just now like, you know, however far behind, like you find a trail coming out into the ag, and then you follow that back and kind of set up covering that trail. Back in the yeah. timber. Okay.
2: Yeah. And I've learned like, um, I've been hunting that place now for four or five years now. Can't remember. And so I'm learning every year. All right. These guys like to come down off. They like to walk the ridge of this Creek and then they'll drop off and they'll go this way. Now in general, that's a pretty normal thing, but you got to remember a mature buck while they will travel that path of least resistance sometimes they're they're six you know they're between four and five six seven years old for a reason Mm -hmm. so you know a lot of times they'll get off of it so um yeah it's just and it depends on like when if i'm in there september 25th i'll probably be hunting a field edge most likely and not diving into the the staging area or even close to the bedding um just to see what's going on. And then as the year goes, I kind of start moving a little further in, but it's not very big. So it's not like I'm, I'm not moving a whole lot because it's 15 acres. So like the staging area doesn't really exist. So I got to be careful about like when I make my moves in there because, uh, I mean, I could be just walking right in on top of their bed and not really realize it.
3: Yeah.
1: So then is that like, so what does Missouri's tag situation look like for residents? Do you have one buck tag, maybe a doe tag, or how does that work?
2: So you can buy, I'm not sure about unlimited, but you can buy antlerless tags. Okay. Um, you can buy an any deer tag. So any sex uh, antlers or, or a doe, and then you can buy antlerless as well. Um. In Missouri, you can kill two bucks a year. You can kill one buck leading up to rifle season with an archery tag, and then you can kill a second buck utilizing that rifle tag. Uh, you have to buy a firearms tag during Mm -hmm. that 10 day rifle season. And, uh, if you don't kill one during that rifle portion, you can kill a second buck, the remaining archery season after that.
3: Oh, Um, Okay.
2: Dough-wise, I usually only buy one antlerless tag a year extra. So I'm not really sure how many you could actually buy. <laughs> but I would be perfectly happy with a buck and a doe if I got them or two bucks or whatever. So I don't really need that much more meat. And honestly, mm-hmm. two deer is quite a bit of meat for me. So um, anyways, yeah, that's kind of the situation. You, you can end up with two bucks but you can't just kill two right off the bat and be done.
1: Right. So when you're playing your little, your, I guess, cat and mouse game on a 15 acre property and you have your archery tag at the beginning of the year, do you hunt that same property with rifle or do you buy a rifle tag? I I have, I have, Mm -hmm.
2: but I have another farm that I hunt that is a large farm, about 200 acres. Mm Mm-hmm. But, but literally, and I don't, I'm kind of joking when I say this, but there's like freaking seven trees on the entire place. So like you're hunting a lot of ditches and yeah. trying to like do pinch points and literally you'll sit in the ditch waiting, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, so that farm is much more conducive to rifle hunting. If I'm going to take the the boomstick out, mm-hmm. um, the, the smaller place that's got timber, I have hunted it with a rifle, um, but it's just. Yeah, it's and you can you can hunt the field there. There is a ag field. It's just uh, it's just going to be harder. So that open farm is a little easier to rifle hunt if that's what you're going to do.
1: Right. Yeah. When When is the rifle season in Missouri?
2: Um, it is usually around the second weekend of November. So in Missouri, it usually hits right around the peak of the rut. So a lot of good deer go down (laughs) in that 10 day period. Yeah. Um, and like last year I've never, at least in my experience, I have never seen the rut. hit so perfectly for rifle season last year. Um, I mean, and, 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 you know, you can look at it two ways. Like some people hate that rifle season is in the middle of the rut because it kills a lot of bucks. And I understand that, you know, while I, while Missouri is a terrific whitetail state, you know, that probably doesn't help it. But on the other hand, you put rifle season in the beginning of December, let's say less people are able to harvest a good deer or a good buck. And you might have less interest in the sport as it goes. So, I mean, I can see both arguments for it. Um, I don't love it, but I don't make the rules. So I'll do what Yeah, I got.
1: That's fair. So yeah you're gonna you can always draw your rifle tag that's like a given yeah, to yeah. Over the count. all you do okay. is
2: go buy it yeah 17 bucks or whatever it is man
1: must be nice <laughs> so you to, gotta draw we have to draw it here yeah it's, oh yeah no no, there no draw
2: here. you can buy them yeah yeah
1: but uh so you have your elk hunt your archery deer and your rifle deer and that's gonna be your year
2: and you have fall turkey fall turkey um you do have fall turkey I don't really hunt fall turkey. I I go hunt deer. And then I, if um, you get the turkey tags with your deer tags. Oh, okay. And so if a turkey were to walk in front of me, I guess it would eat an arrow if it was legal. (laughs) So, uh, but you do have (laughs) fall turkey. And there are a lot of people that straight up hunt fall turkey. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that's legitimate, but um, you got fall turkey. We'll go through deer season and then, uh, we've gotten pretty, I wouldn't say huge into it, but we have started really enjoying coyote hunting. And so oh, okay. usually like after deer season starts winding down, we're kind of moving into to coyotes and trying to, you know, put some dogs on the ground.
1: When does that kind of switch? Like December time frame, January.
2: Well, like Missouri's archery season goes through January 15th.
1: Oh, okay. Um, so similar yeah, to now South Dakota. We
2: could really, we could, we could hunt coyotes anytime. I think Missouri's coyote season, there is about a, like a two week period sometime around when they're dropping pups, um, that you can't hunt them, but that's it. And so it's essentially a, a 365 season. Um, we don't typically get going in them until January. Um, mm-hmm you know we i mean we have before but it's you know it's just less normal for us until after the season's over um and then we have a lot of fun until spring hits and you know and then we've even hunted them this summer some more and it's it's fun uh you got spring turkey in Missouri um that is pretty big um we're having some problems with our turkey population so yep. um things Seems might be nationwide. changing yeah, yeah it really does i don't think it's a Missouri problem it's kind of everybody but Mm -hmm. I I would expect some changes in our tag numbers or something at some point um, because of that. So that's a, but but that's a huge thing in Missouri turkey seasons. It's not as big as deer season, but it's pretty big.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I don't know that it's huge in South Dakota, but there are people who do it. It's definitely bigger in Iowa where I grew up. A lot of people want turkey hunt more, but so out of your, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's good. I was just gonna say, out of your seasons that are coming up here, what would you, what would you say the tag is that you're most excited for?
2: Um, if I could write the script, there is a a buck I would love to shoot with my bow.
1: Oh, right, so you got you got target buck. If
2: I got if I got nothing else, I would be happy. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so yeah. it's your
1: your target buck for the your number one thing you want to kill.
2: I would say so. Yep.
1: Okay. Yep. Most important question: Did you name him? I did. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I am is- a huge, I am a freaking
2: huge <laughs> fan of nicknaming deer. Okay. Yep. And if you ever listen to our show, Micah thinks it's stupid. So we always fight about it and it's fun. Um, so I am a fan of nicknaming deer and I'm also not real creative. So when I first started nicknaming deer, I thought, how the hell am I going to name these things? I don't. What am I gonna say? Like that cool guy or whatever. So, I grew up playing the video game Mortal Kombat and watched the movies and stuff, and I got badass names. So I started naming my deer after Mortal Kombat characters. So take it for what it's worth, man. Uh, this buck that I'm after, his nickname is Reptile. Reptile. Uh, which is a Mortal Kombat character. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> so. What? What is he? Just like a. Describe him. Is he like a big, typical, big, non-typical drop tine buck?
2: He is a, he's a, there's no drop tines. He's, he's a, a really tall, um, really tall, basically a mainframe eight, but he's got quite a bit of garbage coming mm-hmm. out. And, um, I have no idea what he's going to score. He's a mature deer, and that's really all I give a shit about. But, um, he just, he's got, he, he's got it going for me. Like he makes my heart pump when I see pictures of him, and I think I can kill him if I play it right. So, um, yeah, he's just, he's, he's, he's real tall. Like, I don't even think he's past his ears, but he is just skyscraping just up and, um, he's just a cool deer. So,
1: awesome, um,
2: yeah, I think he'll be a good deer as far as like the score goes, which I think is dumb anyway. You know, like if if you love a deer, if you if a deer makes you excited and you want to use your tag on them, do it. And if someone else thinks that that was dumb, well, I don't care what you think. That wasn't your tag; it was mine.
3: Yep, screw you. Yeah, you know, I, wish,
2: I wish there was <laughs> a little more of that. But you know, like just congratulate somebody instead of saying, "Well, I wouldn't have shot him." Well, I don't care. So yeah. well,
1: I did, um, and, and I'm happy about it. So yeah, and
2: <laughs> and like I said, he's a mature deer, so and yeah, he's going to score awesome. good too. But um so yeah if now if you if you told me that I wouldn't kill him but I would kill an elk this year I would strongly consider that that trade
1: That's I w- fair I really
2: would Yeah the 5 uh, years
1: of putting in the hard work
2: Dude and you could even tell me it was going to be a cow elk and I might take that trade because <laughs> my first year elk hunting I think I've told this story before but my fir- very first day elk hunting my brother-in-law, um, he said, Hey, I'm gonna stay right here. You go around this ridge and sit there for a little while. So I did that. And I decided to to start working my way back to him. It could because honestly, I started feeling a little uneasy. Um back then I didn't have Onyx or anything, so all I had was that little yellow Garmin yep. that didn't have any maps on it was just a dot where I was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and a dot where camp was. And So I started feeling a little lost in that deep, dark timber, you know? And uh, so I started trying to go find my brother-in-law. And as I'm walking, I look up and there's a bull elk maybe 60 yards away from me, walking kind of away from me. And when I saw him, I don't even think I I remembered I had a bow in my hand. Like it was just, oh my God, I can't believe I see this right now. There's an elk right there. And there, I I didn't even bring my bow up. It was just like jaw on the floor on the ground, and there was a lot of that my first year. Like seeing elk (laughs) was just amazing to me. Yeah. Well, that was year one. Now year five, after I've had several (coughs) opportunities to potentially kill one that I screwed up, um, I love seeing them still, but now I'm tired of seeing them. Now I want one to eat an arrow. So. You know, it's like, if you could tell me that you could guarantee me an elk this year and I wouldn't see that deer, I would probably take that deal. I really probably would. So That's a fair deal. Yeah, I'll I'll take that deal. If you can guarantee it, I'll take that right now. You just guarantee me an elk and um, we'll call it good.
1: You know, I wish I could, but, you know, I've got red hair. I have no soul. I'm the son of the devil. I'm not God. So it's not going to (sighs) happen. You know what? I've just...
2: I, I told my sister that <laughs> her whole life. My uh, sister's redheaded as well, <laughs> which is Micah's wife. And okay. uh, yeah, I, uh, and I that love for her you. dearly, but I do tell her she has no soul because she's redheaded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. So let's, let's, I get, we'll get back to the elk in a second, but let's talk about reptile. You said you think you can make it happen. What's your plan? Are you expecting him to disappear come that once he gets hard horned, do you expecting him to disappear and then hopefully make it back?
2: Yeah, I would expect him to do the same thing they usually do. However, he has been on camera a lot this summer. Mm -hmm. So he might stick around. And if he does, my whole idea that I talked about a few minutes ago with waiting is going to go right out the window. Because (laughs) if he sticks around, I might be able to kill him before that. (laughs) <laughs> but I do expect him to to leave. And really, say what you want about him, but trail cameras have kind of changed the game.
0: Mm-hmm. We can
2: use them in Missouri. I don't know about what you guys can do there. but And I use information from them to help me decide what I'm going to do. So, for instance, if it's October 10th and he hasn't shown back up at all on camera, I'm probably not going to go because all I'm doing is laying my scent down, making noise and potentially turning him off from being back. So what I would try to do is I will wait until he gives me a single photo again. And then I'm going to use weather events. So let's say he gives me a photo on October 15th. I will say, okay, he's at least back in the area. Remember, I'm only on 15 acres. It's not like I'm where he's going to be all the time. Mm -hmm. So I will take that information. And then let's say the next Tuesday or something like that, we get a 20 degree drop in weather or drop in temperature. And the barometer might shoot up to over 30 or something like that. I'm going to be in the stand within 24 hours of that, hopefully. And with that switch and stuff, my hope is he gets on his feet earlier and he makes it to where I'm at Uh, because I really don't think he's betting on me anymore at that point. Um, I do think he's betting on me now, but I don't think by then he'll do it anymore. So I've got to, I've got to get him on his feet before dark, basically, is what I'm trying to accomplish at that point.
1: It would be an evening hunt then. uh,
2: Most of the time I've noticed him, but you know, if, if it's a a. 5am photo, then it might be a morning, morning thing. It just depends.
1: Sure. And how's your, what's your access route like you, can, are you able to come in through the timber to get to where you want to set up?
2: Um, I kind of have to, <laughs> I don't okay. want to, but um, I'm, I'm kind of lucky because the landowner lives on that property. Mm-hmm. So I drive up their driveway and park in, next to their garage and the deer don't it's not like I'm right next to the timber, but the deer that's not something they're not used to. So mm-hmm. they drive in their driveway every damn day. So, and then I, I walk from there depending on where I'm going to hunt that day. Um, I typically try to sneak along a field edge and then dip into the timber, um, where I've kind of beaten a path down over the last four years, essentially to get into my stands. Um, and the reason why I don't love hunting the morning there is I almost always bum deer out of there. So, and there's really not a whole lot I can do about it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: There's only one way I can access from, so at least initially. So that's why I, I prefer going in there in the afternoon because I can get there really early when I know the deer probably aren't there right now. So Does
1: that then- makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. But th- so like if you wanted to hunt a the morning, there's really no way you can sleep like I don't know, sneak back 50 yards into the timber to get to your stands, or you have um, to walk that field edge.
2: Yeah, well, and like the main stand that I'm I'm talking about there that's in my in the timber. I can do it and mm-hmm. I have, but boy, I tell you what, man. If you took 20 morning hunts. In that timber stand that I try to go hit, I bet I bump deer before I get to the stand over 10 times, like mm. over half of the time. And I hate doing that because I don't know who it was. Right. Like, was it a, a doe? Probably, but I don't know it because it's freaking dark, <laughs> you know? And I do everything. Like, I walk as slow as I can. I don't have any lights on, which maybe I should. Maybe I should turn lights on and just you know, beat feet to the stand. And, and I don't know, I, I, don't, I don't like doing that, but maybe that's the right answer. Maybe they don't care, but you know, I'm trying to be quiet and it, it doesn't work. You know, they're going to know you're there. So,
3: yeah.
2: Um Yeah. It, that's, that's the one difficult thing with morning hunts is I just, I, I don't know if they're there or not. And it would make sense for them to still be there because that's before they go back to bed. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want them there before they go back to bed. So it's kind of like a damned if you do damned, if you don't thing. um, evening hunts there, I don't want them there when I show up, I want them coming out of bed. So I usually can get in there pretty easily. So, you know, I've, I've I've made it work before, but it's, it's more difficult in the mornings there
1: yeah that makes sense what kind of i, I did not ask earlier what kind of egg is it is it alfalfa soy corn what is it right now so it's a
2: it's a rotation of corn and alpha and, and soybeans every year this okay. year it's soybeans okay That'll yeah. be. which yeah. i i prefer yeah <laughs> yeah that's gonna be
1: a <laughs> great field
2: we were actually gonna plant some late beans this year um along a field edge that i was well that timber field edge Mm-hmm. we were going to plant some late beans um, like within the last couple weeks and it never happened. And now we're getting ready to leave. So it's not going to happen, but that would have been real nice because then those beans could have come up and hopefully been green during right. the winter, but
1: <clears throat> yeah. Didn't that would have been really nice. Oh, well. shoulda, coulda, woulda. You got next year. Yep. yep. <laughs> so is there any, So listening to your podcast and everything this year, are there any new tactics that you're going to try to use this year looking forward to deer season?
2: Yeah, I'm taking a kid hunting. So (laughs) I don't know what the hell to think. I mean, like Micah and I spent an entire day last week or two weeks ago, hanging, um, four, three ladder stands so that I can take my son and hopefully get him his first deer. So, that's going to change a lot because uh, I think a lot of times when I decide to go hunting, I'm going to hopefully take him and where I might go by myself is probably going to be a lot different than where I end up going so that he can go and, you know, get himself a shot. If, if we, uh, if he gets a a chance to, so it's going to be weird. I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's just going to be different because I'm not, I'm not only worrying about myself this year. I'm worrying about taking him and hopefully getting him to get one. So, and he's only 10. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to like say, Hey, go hunting tonight, Caden by yourself. <laughs> he's, you know, he's going to be with me most likely.
1: That's awesome. That's really yeah. cool.
2: So no, I'm, I'm him and my other son have been going hunting with me mm-hmm. before, but they've always just went with daddy, you know, like I'm hunting there with me now his his younger brother will still be in that situation but Caden will actually get the opportunity if if we're lucky enough to hopefully harvest something so it's just it's weird because now I got to think of like all these different things like okay I got to make sure you know I've got a hanger for his bow and I've got to make sure um how am I going to set him in the tree so if if he gets a shot he's going to get you know have a good you know do I need to sit him on this side or do I sit on that side you know cuz I'm gonna have my boat with me too, so it's gonna be interesting to figure everything out. But I'm excited about it.
1: So here's here's the real question.
2: <laughs> I'm shooting reptiles. He walks out in front of both okay. People.
1: Yeah, <laughs> all right. That was the question.
2: <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I've gotten a lot of shit for it, but um, and who knows? Maybe I'll maybe I'll change my mind. Maybe I'll let him have the big deer on his first deer ever. But <laughs> who knows? I really don't know. And if that does happen, I'm going to have an interesting situation on my hands. <laughs> but I, I, I'll tell you this, I hope it happens.
1: <laughs> oh, man, that would be that would be something. And if that happens, I, 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 I hope I, I fancy it. <laughs> my
2: I fancy myself a good father, but I'm not that good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I would do. I don't I don't think I'd be that nice. But You
2: know what? It's weird because Andy had, had made a great point. Andy's one of my co-hosts. And Andy's been hunting his whole life, and the first deer he ever killed was a big deer. And everybody says, you know, oh, you're ruined. You're never gonna, you know. And Andy's been deer hunting his whole life since then, right? Mm-hmm. He 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 actually thinks it's better for a kid to start with a big deer because then they're hooked, like it's forever. Right. I don't dis- I don't disagree with him on that. So part of me is like, well, maybe I sh- should let him. And then the other part of me is like yeah, but there's other bucks there that he would love. And, you know, if, if something goes wrong, God forbid, right. If something goes wrong, it's not reptile that it went wrong on now. <laughs> now I can mess up too. I'm hundred percent. I can mess up too, but you know, so I've had all those thoughts going through my head. I really hope he's with me when, if that deer steps out, that'd be great, great to have happen. So we'll see.
1: That'd be awesome, but also an ethical dilemma, or a parental yes, dilemma. <laughs> yes,
2: it would. I don't. I honestly, I'm still in a decision mode on that because I, I have no idea what I
1: would do. I I can't help you with that. I really can't. I'm not even a father. Yeah. yet. So. No, I'm.
2: I'm sorry. Yeah, and so I have no idea. So I can't help anybody out there with the same problem. Sorry.
1: So you mentioned before the stove. St- well. Wow. I can't talk. So you mentioned before the show, before we started recording that you were uh, testing out some new broadheads. What did you decide to go with this year?
2: Um, All three of us. So we all used to shoot slick tricks Yep. and have always liked them, but you know, kind of like one of those, eh, it's time for a change, you know, just something different. And, um, We all went to something different than the other guy. So that's, that was kind of cool. Um funny enough so i went with uh iron wheels oh nice uh iron wheel solids i sold my firstborn child and bought those um <laughs> <laughs> those are expensive um but i really i i like them they're they're pretty freaking sweet
1: solids is a bleeder blade or not
2: yeah solids solids with bleeders
1: double or single um, double. double okay
2: which i'm kind of regretting now but i'm after so this show hasn't even come out yet but we were showed a recorded a show with lusk Archery, who was mm-hmm. a broadhead tester and we brought this up in the show and and uh he basically said you can't go wrong with any of the iron wheels but he also said he really liked their single bevel. so um whatever i bought the solid the regular solids not the wide just the regular yep. solid andy switched over he went Back to Rages, which is a mechanical broadhead. Okay, and we brought that up in the show. <laughs> and, uh, by the end of the show, Andy was ordering a new broadhead for himself, and he hopes <laughs> it's here by the time we leave next week. So, um,
1: which, which range was, was it? Was a uh, hypodermic or tri-pans? Tri-pans. tripans tripans Okay,
2: yeah. And he actually ordered another mechanical, but John was a huge fan of a, me- a mechanical blade called. And I don't know anything about mechanicals. I've never shot them. So, but John uh, Lusk was a huge fan of a, a mechanical blade called the Sever. Sever. I've never heard brand. of it. Okay. Uh, and um, he was able to like shoot that brand through the steel plate five times as a mechanical blade, which Holy is crap. crazy. So he's, he said, if you're going to have a mechanical, I really like those. So by the end of the show, Andy was literally ordering. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. And then Micah went with a, a newer broadhead that, uh, probably not a lot of people even know about yet, but it's called a thorn crown Mm-mm. Heard that one yet. Nope. You need to Google that after we, we get done with thorn this.
1: crown. I'm going to write that yeah. down.
2: Yeah. Because y- you haven't seen a broadhead that looks like that before. It is a fixed blade broadhead, mm-hmm. but you're just going to look at it and be like, Holy crap. That's weird looking. I mean, it's, it's gnarly looking and uh, it, it did pretty good on his testing. Um so a few things he didn't love about it, but, it's it's a it's a cool looking broadhead too. So we're all like moving away in different directions uh, for different reasons. Like I went with the iron will because I hit an animal in a bone
3: mm-hmm. and
2: it didn't penetrate. Um, and my brother in law has hit an elk in the shoulder before, and I'm not saying that iron will will go through the shoulder. But if a broadhead's going to go through bone, that's one of them because it's got some of the hardest steel that's used or Mm -hmm. hardest materials that they use. So um, I wanted it to go through things that it hits. And uh, I I changed because of that. Andy changed because he wanted bigger holes up front. You know, he wanted to like see blood. You know, he Mm -hmm. was tired of not seeing blood. And, And a rage will definitely punch a damn hole in something, especially the first hole. And then Micah just switched because he was in the same field. And these thorn crowns basically drill a damn hole in the animal. And you'll see why when you Google that. And um, so that's what he did that for. So we all had kind of different reasons why we wanted to switch. Um, And we'll see. I'm, I'm excited about Myron Wills. but they were not cheap. So
1: <laughs> no, they are not cheap. I've I've wanted to try them, but I haven't been able to do it. So yeah, what's your setup look like? So you got your iron wheel up front. Are you using their collar system at all? Their titanium, your stainless steel collars?
2: No, I didn't change my uh weight up front this year. Um so it's it's just the same the the solid head screws into my insert on my okay. my arrows and then just it sits flush with the arrow. Um, I'm shooting black Eagle arrows, uh, Mm -hmm. rampages, I believe Yep, I sitting right there. So I could probably look, but, um, 300, uh, grains,
1: um,
2: spine three or three hundred. Oh, um, gosh, man, it's a 300 spine. I'm positive of that now. Yeah. 300 spine. Um,
1: what's your draw weight? Sorry. I'm interrupting you.
2: My draw weight is 70 pounds because I'm a short bastard. So it has to be. Uh, draw weight 70 because my draw length is just at 27. Okay. Um, you're not that short. I am, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am short. <laughs> uh, I'm not like a midget, but I'm, I'm only five, seven, five, eight. So, um, I actually shoot a 11 year old bow. I'm shooting a 2010 or 2011 Bowtech assassin still. Um, I love that bow and I shoot good with it and i really just don't have the desire to learn something different or get you know used to another bow so i still shoot a bowtech assassin just got it restrung this last year um my site, i use a black gold pro um sight been a big fan of that site so far so I, I had that on
1: black gold pro is that a slider too a three pin slider
2: the three pin slider yeah okay
1: yeah
2: yep, uh, yep. Got- and that was i made mine i think the reason it's technically a pro is because i custom ordered it oh okay you know, so like i got to pick the pin colors and what size and um like um i did the dovetail or whatever the hell that's called yeah the dovetail um, attachment set up so and the reason i did or- ordered it custom is because uh red red optics really starburst on me really badly Hmm. And so I wanted all three green pins, or like a yellow and a green, but I went all three greens. And um so I got to just basically make it myself. So I think it's really basically a pro because of that. But hell, I don't really know. Um, and then let's see what else. My release—I honestly don't remember. I think it's called a true ball, so- short and sweeter.
1: Yeah, hey, I got the same one. I freaking love and that release. Honest,
2: I, I was gonna switch to a thumb release. And I talked to my art, my bow guy, who is a well-known archery guy, um, who doesn't like to get a lot of attention. So I won't say his name, but he's, he's, he just knows stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was using this just cheap ass trigger. I don't even know what it was at this point. And he told me to try out a few and I got that short and sweeter and I got short fingers cause I'm not a tall person. And I was shooting a trigger, um, Release that had the uh the trigger came out straight perpendicular Mm -hmm. at a 90 degree angle from your string right and i didn't even realize how much i was reaching before but that short and sweeter i got the swept back trigger version yep and oh my gosh it is so nice i can just rest my my finger right on it and i can use that back tension and just almost it's it's so nice and so uh I actually have two of them, in case my first one breaks. I got a backup, and um, I'll probably keep shooting those as long as they make them. I'm there, a lot of people are moving over to like thumb releases mm-hmm. and um, the other kind. I forget the name at the top off the top of my head. Back tension release, yeah, the tension release, and they look a lot of. I mean, they look cool, but I I shoot good, and I don't really feel like changing. So I'm still gonna shoot that trigger release until. I'm made to switch.
1: <laughs> yep, I don't blame you. I love that thing. Yeah.
2: yeah. So that's my setup and I'm happy with it. I mean, I've been shooting the same setup now for probably four, close to five years, same arrows, that sort of stuff. So um really happy with it.
1: Awesome. What would you say your uh, effective range is going out to Colorado? What's your max?
2: Uh, are we talking about an animal that has no idea I'm there?
1: Yeah, we'll say that.
2: Okay, because that definitely changes. Like if mm-hmm. they're alert to you, a seventy-yard shot's a bad idea or whatever, right? Yep. But um, if the animal was not alert to me, I would feel comfortable around seventy yards, probably.
1: What do you practice out in the summertime? Out to? practice
2: out to like one twenty. I mean, just just random stuff. I've I've got my own little range here at my house nice so i can walk hell i can walk 200 yards back there if i wanted to but um so yeah i'll shoot my field tips and my broadheads just as just random distances all the way out to like 80 90 yards i don't really love shooting my broadheads much further than that because you're shooting a little 16 inch broadhead target and if you're a little off
1: you could lose everything and it so, and when you're shooting iron wells you really don't want to remortgage look it at fucking $40 broadhead <laughs> I don't really want to lose it yeah
2: so uh so yeah like but for instance when I was sighting these broadheads and I shot my first shot was at 23 yards mm-hmm. and it was great so I moved back to 48 which was just you know I walked to a distance I turn around range it and that was what it was so I shot my second one at 48, it was dead on. And then I moved back to 67 yards and it was dead on. And I said, well, this arrow is good. And then I did the same thing with the other two heads that I had and um, I felt great. So I I would say I would take a 70 yard shot if everything was perfect. Mm -hmm. Elk wasn't aware I was there. I didn't have anything in the way and I had all the time in the world to prepare for the shot. If you're going to rush it, that's a real bad idea. If you're going to, if he, he or she is aware that you're there, they're going to be halfway to the next county by the time that arrow gets there Mm -hmm. because they're already on, you know, antsy or something like that. Um, Same thing with a whitetail. Like if they know you're there, they're going to drop so quick by the time that arrow gets there. I just think that's a bad idea. If they don't know you're there, then you can start thinking about, Hey, I can, I can reach out a little further if I need to. But
1: yeah, absolutely. So here's a real controversial question. Are you gonna take a frontal shot if you get the opportunity? On an oak. On an oak. Let's say he's forty yards.
2: Forty, no, probably not.
1: How about twenty? Yes. Yeah. All right. That's fair. I don't know what I would do yet. I don't know.
2: (laughs) Um practice it here at home. Like yeah. Um, my brother-in-law Russell does this. He actually spray paints like an elk on a hay bale. Now you can't do use a broad head on it mm-hmm. and then like, just go and like, watch, uh, <clears throat> oh gosh, the, you know, born and raised guys yep, and all the guys that take these frontal shots, they kind of explain where you want to hit. Right. And if like, if you feel good with a frontal shot and you feel like you can execute it, it's a deadly shot. It's, I mean, if you do the right thing now, if you hit them in the wrong spot, that's why I like at 40 yards. I, I'm not so sure, man, because they can move real fast, you know, like mm-hmm. just a quick turn. And at 20 yards, it's a lot closer. So it's a little less likely that you'll miss that target you're hitting, but at 40 yards, I mean, they can be, damn near be broadside by the time that arrow gets there. And now you might be punching a shoulder or something. So. Yeah, I, I'll do it. I, I think I would at 20 yards.
1: That's fair. I mean, you got a little room, little margin of error at 20 yards with a frontal yeah, shot. Now, now
2: yeah. I'm also saying I might be that dude after the fact that might be going. Um, now, what had happened was. <laughs> and what had happened was. <laughs> uh, I should not have taken that shot. So, I
1: have no <laughs> idea. Yeah, you're kicking yourself the rest of the time. But. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, I'm sure you're way, very confident at 20 yards and 40 and 50. if you're shooting out the 120 all summer,
2: I don't mean to be like this shouldn't hopefully doesn't come up across cocky or, or not cocky. Um, there what's the get. word? Yeah. When I see an animal and I'm, you know, getting ready to shoot them, the nerves don't ever really hit me at that mm-hmm. time. It's almost always after I get this flush of stuff. Usually when I see them and I, it's, I start going through everything I got to do. Okay, grab your bow. Is he, is he ranged? What's the range? Um, like, I don't have time. It's like, my brain doesn't give me time to start freaking out. So I, I feel like I can make a good shot most of the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't happen that way, but I didn't, it's not like I messed the shot up because I was all jacked up. Like some people talk about target panic and all that. Like I don't knock on wood. That's not something I've messed with before. Right. I usually stay pretty calm during the shooting part. And then after that arrow flies, it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, then it all hits me. But, um, so like with a frontal or a longer shot, I feel like I could potentially do that just because I, I don't really get all freaked out during that process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can I can agree with that. Like my <laughs> I I'm a little weird though. If if I have something coming in that I'm not gonna pull on, like I'll sit there and like if like last year several times I had Doe's walk right underneath me and I'm just sitting there jackhammering like this is so cool. Yep. But then a <laughs> yep. buck comes in and I'm just sitting there watching, just waiting. Yeah. and I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But then afterward, like after I shot my buck last year, I was like, I could barely Touch my phone,
2: (laughs) and like I don't. uh, This people are gonna make fun of me for this, but multiple times after I've killed a buck in my life, I'm crying right after it, and it's not because like I'm so happy, like I can't believe this. It's like there's so much emotion running through my body that all of a sudden my my eyes are watering, and I'm like, what the hell's going? Like it (laughs) it goes from zero to 150 real fast, but it's afterwards. Thank God. Yeah. You know, cause if that was hitting me during the shooting, I could, I could see what people are talking about. That would suck. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: that
2: would and really I, suck. I don't know why I don't do that. It's just, I'm lucky in that aspect, I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that's a great, great quality to have. Cause yeah, that would really suck if you're sitting there trying to take a 40 yard shot and you're all over from ass to nose, trying to get your pen on them.
2: God. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No,
2: him. don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm completely calm mm-hmm. and like, you know, a serial killer. I mean, I'm I'm jacked up a little bit, but
1: start to Dexter.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's not like I blank out like some people say they black out, and then all of a sudden the arrow is flying. You know, I start going through my my jobs, I all the different things I need to do. I start going through them, and so you know, like I don't really have time to freak out because I'm thinking.
1: Sure. Yeah, that's. Great to have, but who knows? Maybe you get an elk screaming in your face at 40 yards. You'll be like, oh crap. Yeah, we'll get on another show. I'll be
2: like, hey, so guess what, dude? Um, I'm a liar. I totally jinxed myself. <laughs> yeah, that's the, I, I was, I'm a little hesitant to even talk about that because I really don't want to jinx myself.
1: <laughs> All right. New topic.
2: So, new topic. Yeah.
1: Going up to Colorado this year, you have, this will be your fifth year. You got four years under your belt what are some things you've learned in the last couple of years that you're going to try to implement in this coming year, or what are some things you're going to do different than years prior? Um,
2: that's a great question, man. I I think next, this year, one of the big things we're going to do is so the last two years we have just kept hunting pressure has been so much more different than the first three years I went. And so I'm not going to let other hunters frazzle me Does that make sense mm-hmm. like last year last year i was out of my game from day one like it was holy sh- holy shit there's dudes camping in the middle of the freaking mountain these elk are supposed to be in now like where am i gonna i'm gonna hopefully the idea this year is to use the hunters to my advantage like if they're there the elk aren't so i'm gonna try so i'm gonna go find the elk and last year, I think it was like I was upset because, oh, that's where they're supposed to be. Now what? So I'm going to use – like I'm just going to roll with the punches this year if it's the same thing. And um, what else? Uh, there will be no bugling from me if if there's a lot of pressure. Um, first off, remember, I'm going on season start September 2nd. Mm-hmm. In Colorado, they're really not running yet. And so – you might hear a bugle the entire time we're there, but they're so pressured and they're not running yet that if I bugle, I'm just going to have 50 hunters flood towards me. It's probably, if it sounds good, I hope it does. Uh, so, you know, i probably I'll, I'll have the bugle tube with me, but most likely won't use it unless I get in some crazy situation. And, um, I am going to personally try to be a lot more patient than I normally am. Like if, if I get there, if I get to the bottom of a mountain in a morning and I know that my goal is to get to the top by the time the wind switches, I don't know why, but it's like, I'm in a marathon. It's like, I'm, I'm in a sprint race and I'm just right up the mountain. And I, I need to do a little better job of slowing down and, you know, Using a spot and then getting to the next spot and setting up and doing what I want and make it to the, to the top or wherever I want to be in a slower fashion so that I'm, I'm hunting more quality time. If that makes sense, Mm -hmm. instead of just getting to the next spot, like, Oh, I got to get here. Well, I'm going to hunt there, you know, a little better instead of just like going.
1: Mm Kind of like keep your eyes open and, and, and try not to blow past everything in between. Yeah. Like instead of
2: saying, Hey, we got to get to the top of the mountain. And if we walk by something, it's not like I'm like running and being loud, but I'm just going to go slow, uh, slow hunt, you know, maybe act like a cow, try to do some cow calling and then set up and wait for half an hour. See if he comes in quietly. And if not, then I'll do the same thing again and I'll make it to where I need to. And instead I'll just kind of do it a little slower.
1: Sure. Hopefully. Just out of curiosity, how many guys are you going with that have tags? Five. Five? and all five, you have tags?
2: Yeah, there's six of us going. Five will have tags.
1: Okay. So, how do you guys – do you guys set up a base camp then and then kind Mm -hmm. of go off from there and meet up at night?
2: Yeah, we set up a base camp and then um, usually go off in pairs. Okay. Now, we won't have pairs because we'll have an odd man out. So, he'll either be by himself or he might hook into one of the the groups of two. Typically, though, and it'll probably be like this again. We are in pairs, but then when we get up into an area, a lot of times we'll split off from each other, and we'll we'll put a waypoint on the map, and we'll say, "Hey, we'll try to meet back up here sometime after the wind switched, you know, around lunch, and we'll we'll get together then, um, just so we're not as loud. You know, two people is louder than one, right? And you know, if you've ever watched like the Born and Raised stuff, which is great. Mm-hmm and you know a lot of times the the caller will stay back and the hunter will go forward and get the elk before it gets to the caller that's a great idea but they're not bugling we can't do that the way we're hunting right now so having two guys is just twice as loud is really all it is right so we do stay together some but we'll also split off so that we can kind of cover a little more and hopefully you know if we are on a bench maybe one of us is on the top side of it. The other one's on the bottom side of it. And you know, if there's anything in that bench, we uh, hopefully we'll stumble by it or get it to come into a a quiet call sequence or something like that.
1: So you guys are doing some like cow calling. Yeah. So I don't
2: remember who I listened to, but he's really successful uh, at hunting silent elk and Something, one of the things I wish I could give him credit. It was a podcast I listened to. Is it Joel Turner by chance? I couldn't even tell you if you said the right name at the moment. All right. (laughs) But he's he's real successful at hunting silent elk and he kind of does a lot of that. Like he'll he'll walk, let's say 50, I don't know, 50 yards and he'll act like a group of cows and calves together. And then he'll set up and he'll try to set up to where if I if a silent bull were to come in. He was set up downwind of that and the bull might you know come in and check wind first as he's coming in to check out that group of cows and he's killing it. So my idea is to kind of, if I'm going to be walking at all, I might make those calls so that they think I'm an elk and they'll come check it out. If they're anywhere within earshot of hearing that, those few calls. So mm-hmm. I actually will, I'll do like a cow call here or there. I'll, I'll do a calf. And if, if I've got my brother-in-law with me, he'll do the same thing and we'll just sound like a small group and then we'll split off, set up, sit down for half an hour, however long. And if he comes in, he's going to get it. And if he doesn't, we do the same, we, we get up and move on to the next spot and do the same thing.
1: Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I know Joel Turner has done he talks about he, he does a lot of the stuff with the elk shape guys and he's pretty big with shot IQ and he talks a lot about, he doesn't bugle when he goes out. He Mm -hmm. pretty much just cow and calf calls. This is his biggest thing. Um, it's
2: very possible. That's who I listen to, but
1: yeah, but the tactic does sound a slightly different than what he talks about. But anyway, um, so you're going out Colorado cow or elk hunting. um, What's some new gear that you have aside from your iron mill broadheads that you're bringing with you this year yep. that you're excited about?
2: Awesome. New gear here. Hmm. Well, okay. I've got a one person tent. I've got a mummy sleeping bag. Uh, I've got a jet boil, a Sawyer squeeze. And the reason I have those items is there's a decent chance that we're going to stay out on the mountain overnight and try mm-hmm. to get a little further um or at least be ahead of other people the next morning right um where we're going there's no seven miles deep stuff um like you hear people talk about that that's not where we're at there's so many trails all over the place that everywhere is, is within a two or three miles of some trail so mm-hmm. um but anyway but we can be ahead of others so i did I got that stuff because we might actually do an overnight type of setup where we're not back at base camp. So got that stuff. Um, I bought trekking poles. <laughs> I'm cautiously optimistic about those, but I don't know. People say they're awesome. And so I, I bought some, so we'll see how that goes. If I use them at all. <laughs> I don't know. Everyone's like, you got to have trekking poles, dude. I'm like, why? I don't understand the the whole deal with them, but you know, if I've got meat on my back, I think they'd be great, but right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have them out while I'm hunting. No, so, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I don't quite get them, but Hey, I, maybe I'm, I'm wrong on that.
1: I, I have some, but they came with a, like a trekking pole tent that I bought that I, now I'm not yeah. going to use. Cause they got a better deal on a different tent. That's a better tent. So now I have like <laughs> four tents, but I'm only using one. So <laughs> they were I'd, 20,
2: they were 25 bucks. So I was like, yeah, hey, yeah. I'm, you're I'm, not I'm, out I'm much. Yeah. 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 So, uh, that's, and I actually got some, what else did I get? Oh, um, I told you my brother-in-law drew New Mexico. Oh yeah. So we both bought uh garment in minis this oh, year sweet. so that we can communicate so that if something happens to them or they get something down and need some help down in New Mexico, um, cause we won't be too far from New Mexico where we're hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can potentially get to them in half a day or vice versa. And so, uh, that way we can actually communicate because where we're going, there's no cell service for a while and they don't know because they've never been to where they're going. So, okay. um, we're gonna, we bought those and that was, we got those set up actually the other night. Seems pretty cool. You just go into the app on the Garmin app and send your message and it's supposed to show up on the other person's phone with their, with their mini. So nice. pretty little cool deal. They're, they're tiny too. I mean, like literally three inches long, maybe like, Sure, it's, it's pretty cool. Do
1: you have maps on them at all? I can't remember if those do or not. Cause so I think the I regular think in reaches do,
2: I think they do. And I got on the, the app had maps, mm-hmm. but they were just um, like your regular uh, street, street view maps, like just the green. I didn't see where there was a satellite option. So I'm still using my on and actually <laughs> I have on and base map. Because I, <laughs> I'm neurotic and it, like I'm like, what if one goes bad? Like you know, the map's messed up or something while I'm out there. So I actually have both. Base See, maps yeah. so cheap, man. Base maps thirty bucks for an entire year, maybe even twenty. That's and ridiculous. you get every state. So I'm like, ah, that, yeah, that's and I really like base map. I also like things about Onyx too. So it's like, I'll just get them both.
1: And that's kind of a no-brainer, I guess.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, fair. And, I guess it was $30 I didn't have to spend, but we had a, uh, it was two or three years ago. One of the guys actually, their offline maps failed. And so he was sitting on the mountain and he didn't have any his maps were all blurred out. Like they were just, so he actually had to stick with somebody because he didn't know where he was. He had, he had to wait until he was back into town and got service and he was able to re-download the maps and something went wrong with the, I don't think the app was updated or something. And so ever since then, I've been a little like paranoid about that happening. Um, So like make sure folks, before you go into the wilderness, download your maps and then make sure you go offline Mm -hmm. before you go to make sure everything is good. Um, But even then, sometimes stuff can go wrong because it is technology. So I have them both. That way, if something goes wrong, I got both.
1: That's a good idea. I didn't even think yeah. about that. I'm also going, <laughs> we're going to see how this goes, but I'm bringing, at this point, I've only got two battery packs. My battery life on my phone sucks. <laughs> I'm probably going to buy a third, possibly a fourth battery pack.
2: <laughs> That's not the worst <laughs> idea because that would really suck to just like die. Yeah. You know, Out in the middle and you're like, oh crap. But
1: yeah, my phone, like I said, it, it's an iPhone seven. It's been through the ringer, the battery's not great, but I had to buy so much other crap that yeah. I was like, I don't, I can't upgrade this right now. So, I was like, Well, I'll just buy more battery packs naturally.
2: <laughs> Good thing is, your your battery life should get a little better when you put it into airplane mode, yeah, you know. But yeah, mine, mine will die probably by the end of the day, too. And so, but airplane mode definitely helps for sure,
1: oh, it definitely does. But it, I don't know how much I'll be using on X actually. And, Guess we'll um, if you're anything
2: out. like me, you're looking at it every 30 seconds. Yeah, well, I don't know, I mean, freaking why. That's how it's I am like, here
1: too. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's here. not like you're. I went 50 yards. What changed? <laughs> nothing. But yeah, <laughs> you're still nothing. looking. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, that's me too. Like, uh, I don't know why I'm doing that. It's, it's not like I'm going to walk off a cliff if I don't look at my Onyx. I can use my eyeballs, right? But it's just almost like second nature. Like every time you stop, you grab the phone and you look at your map. So,
1: yeah i don't know if it's just because i don't have social media and i'm not like it's not like i check social media that much anyway but i'm always doing something on my phone usually it's googling something absolutely completely idiotic but yeah yeah i don't know but we'll see i guess i'm looking forward to it sounds like you're looking forward to it i hope you guys get something down this year
2: oh same I- i'll tell you what we have a uh we have a I don't know what you call it, a mini-series. It's not a mini-series because it comes out at the same time as our normal show. But we have a part of our, our podcast called Tales of the Chase.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it is, it is strictly stories from people's hunts. So if you kill an elk, you got to promise to come on and talk about it.
3: All right. I'm probably not going if, to. <laughs> if,
2: if I kill an elk, I'll do the same for you. Uh, that
3: sounds
1: I'll, good. Yeah.
2: I'll, I'll tell the whole world if I kill an elk. Oh, that would be great.
1: I hope you do, man. I'd be I'd love to hear that story. But yeah, I mean I being my first year, I'm really not expecting to come away with enough. I'm just expecting to have an experience and then figure out what I did wrong, everything I did wrong. <laughs> or at least I, two things I did wrong. I
2: think you're looking at it the right way. I, I would tell you that go into your first year just excited to to be there. You know, just learn as much as you can. Uh, just have fun. You know, I mean, you got to re- remember, you and I are going to hunt over-the-counter archery in the beginning of September. So I'm assuming where you're going, they're also not running yet, mm-hmm. and you're in an over-the-counter archery unit that is already horrid odds. So the statistical odds of anybody, and honestly, t- killing are are very slim. So if you go into it, not expecting to kill something, expecting to learn, have fun. And honestly, I would consider it a successful year if you just see an elk. Yeah. Know, just like within a hundred yards of you, if you can see an elk within a hundred yards of you, I would be ecstatic. I, I, you know, I want to kill one now. Sure. But I didn't see an elk last year. I just Mm -hmm. want to see one now. Like, I just want to see one again. And then I want it to die in that, in that order. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, I mean, going, I I told the guy I'm going with, I was like, I don't like success. This time is defined as one coming back alive two, like just learning something, whether it's how elk use wallows, how elk use the terrain, how elk use that area, how the hunting pressure is in that area. I don't, I don't know what it's going to be. And then three, it'll be an ultimate success if we even see an elk from like 500 yards away. Yeah. That'll be it. But. And
2: then you can use the 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 genius words of my brother-in-law, Russell, who is, um, he's, the, he's the only one that's killed a bull elk in the five years I've been going. So I, I consider him the best elk hunter out of our group. And he's got, he's a man of very few words. So I'm like, hey, Russ, what do I do? Like, how do I do this? He said, it's easy. See elk, kill elk, eat elk. <laughs> oh, that's all I have to do. Okay. That's
1: all I have to do. I appreciate that. Type of- so Do
2: what Russell says, see the elk, kill the elk, eat the elk. All right. And you'll be good to go.
1: That seems like, that seems like some very solid advice. And yeah, I hope I can mean, follow that. If you really that. think about it, it's,
2: it's a solid bit of advice. It's it just really not is. as easy as it is. It's, it's
1: very practical. <laughs> now. no. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> right. All right. So other than Russell's words of wisdom, wrapping up here, any last words of advice or encouragement going into this season for anybody listening?
2: Uh, every year, everybody starts gearing up and like freaking out and stuff. And, you know, I do it too. Have fun. Like that's what hunting's supposed to be. Have fun. Be happy with what you do. Don't worry about what other people think about what it is you did. Just have fun and enjoy what you're doing. Right. Um, Every year people start pressing because like it's too, you know, like they haven't killed that deer yet or whatever. Don't prep, like just remember what it's supposed to be about. I understand you're, you're, you know, want to kill it, but remember what it's supposed to be about. And then I'm tired of, I think my, my listeners understand that I'm not the biggest fan of social media I, I it has its place but I, I hate when people judge others based on what they decided to kill mm-hmm. you know because they think they're some some god or whatever so um, be happy try this try to be happy for other people when they've killed something as long as they did it legally if somebody went and poached something yeah you know hang them but don't why, why do you got to judge somebody because they shot a two and a half year old buck on a piece of public ground? Who, who, who are you? Like what made you God to say what that person could do with their tag. So have fun and be happy for others. And you know, that would be a great year I think for everybody.
1: Absolutely. I completely agree. I think that's a great note to end on. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> don't, don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah. If we could just start teaching that in preschool fuck the world would be a lot better <laughs> the thing is i think we
2: try to and then we grow up and become dickheads so <laughs> yeah
1: probably because we're dealing with other dickheads <laughs>
2: there you go that's right
1: <laughs> well nate i appreciate you taking the time to come on it's a good hey, time thanks for having me buddy yeah best of luck to you coming up appreciate it and that is a wrap folks i hope you all enjoyed it head on over and check out those uh guys from the missouri woods and water podcast at their social media at missouri woods and water they've got a lot of great content and they're pretty fun to follow along with While you're at it, I'd really appreciate it if you give me a follow at South Dakota Unlimited on Facebook and Instagram. And once again, as the season starts up, good luck to everyone who's getting out in the next week or so. And I hope you are successful. And send me your pictures.